as you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. You know, it's better sound, a studio recording. I'm sitting in front of a mic and lights and, and a camera. And, and my producer came to me and, okay, yes, those words actually just came out of my mouth. I have a producer. What? I've never had a producer in my life. This is crazy. But he came to me and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week, you know, to help cover these costs, like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. I just, I can't. This is my mission. I want to scream it from the rooftops and spread the word about covert narcissism. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So you've probably noticed some small ads now in the podcast, and I really, truly want to keep this to a minimum. And if you feel like you need to skip over the ads, you know, that's okay. Just do. I've done that myself in podcasts that I listen to, but you know, my attitude about it's actually changing. And now I'm starting to listen to them because every little bit helps with these costs. And so I do want to support these podcasters I'm listening to. And that's just a small way that I can. But if you need to skip over them, do. It's okay. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment, for this monthly donation, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. It can be small. That's fine. Whatever you can do for whatever length of time, there's no obligation here. But I want to include you in this mission. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm working on a book and the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I'm going to send you the first chapter of this book. I want you to read it. I want you to rip it apart and give me some feedback. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. So welcome to Thursdays of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. You might be wondering what you're doing here. Like I've mentioned before, we are going to start doing two podcasts every week, and, and here we go. It's time. Hit the ground running. So these podcast episodes will consist of either a throwback to an episode you might have missed, you know, way back at the beginning. We're, you know, 100 episodes into this. This is crazy. Or it's going to consist of a guest episode, people that you need to hear from, people that are sharing their story with you so that you can better understand this whole situation that you're in. I hope you enjoy. A single bee sting is no big deal. I mean, unless you're allergic to them. But a thousand bee stings and all of a sudden now you got a real problem on your hands. You know, you're, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to go crazy and you're probably going to end up in the hospital. That's kind of what it's like living with a covert narcissist. Any one single event from it can seem like a bee sting. It, it seems like no big deal. But when you're dealing with thousands of them, you know, it, it adds up. And now you feel like you're going crazy and, and you can find yourself under such stress that you could end up in a hospital. And, and, and trying to explain the one single event to somebody 
you just feel like you're going to lose your mind. Like you can't explain it to them and it can seem petty. Uh, and it just seems, it seems trivial and they don't get it. They don't understand why you're so upset. And yet you're, you're not talking about one event. You're talking about thousands, hundreds, at least, and thousands potentially depending on the length of your relationship. And so, you know, trying to explain all of that can, is just completely overwhelming. My name is Renee Swanson. I'm the creator of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I lived this nightmare of dealing with a covert narcissist. My marriage was almost 21 years, and um, and it was great at the beginning. I, I I experienced all the love bombing, and and we were so madly in love with each other. And and I had no idea that people could could treat people like this. I had no clue um, what was coming down the pike and and what was coming in my future. I had no idea. So I want to explore some of that today with some personal examples, and we will be right back. I want to give you some personal examples from my own situation and, and just talk a little bit about this craziness that, that you feel inside you. So we had been married about a year, and we were on a family vacation, and we were still in that love-bombing phase of our marriage. And and I was still just in heaven. I thought my marriage was amazing. I had finally found, you know, the perfect match for me and my soulmate and all these wonderful things that we say. And and so we were on a family vacation, and he had come out of the restroom uh, while he had been getting ready, you know, in the morning to start his day. And he had toothpaste on his mouth. And as he walked up to me, I said, hey, babe, I said, you've got toothpaste on your mouth. His reaction to that was huge. It was mean. It was aggressive. And he looked at me and said, well, you've got a hair out of place. As mean as he could make it. And I, I just recoiled. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, who? Who reacts this way? I've told you, hey, you've got toothpaste on your mouth. People typically are grateful. Oh, man, I sure don't want that there. Thanks. But yet his reaction was like the claws came out of, well, you've got a hair out of place. And he stormed off. And I thought, okay, where did this come from? And the confusion in me was just, you know, I it was real. And And he later came to me and he apologized. I mean, I guess he knew that he had hurt me or upset me, and, and he came to me and he apologized, and I asked him, I said, why would you take that as an attack? I, why, you know, it was like you thought I had attacked you. And I guess that's the wrong question, because then there was, well, no, I didn't. I didn't react like that. I was like, okay, this is not going anywhere, and so I just left it alone. Little did I know that this was going to be the story of my marriage. And, and these little things, you know, that's that's a bee sting. You know, if I go tell somebody, well, you know, why were you upset in your marriage? And I say, you know, because I told him he had toothpaste on his mouth and he reacted and, and his claws came out and all this. They're going to think I've lost my mind. But it wasn't about just this one little time. But but these little things got such huge reactions that you quickly learn not to go there anymore. For example, we were married almost 21 years. I never, ever again, ever told him that he had toothpaste on his mouth. He left for work multiple mornings with toothpaste on his mouth, but I wasn't going to tell him because I was not putting my hand back on that hot stove again. I'll give you another example that happened 
many, many, many years later. So the the first one now, this that was early in our marriage, and now we're way later in our marriage. We're about maybe sixteen years into this marriage, and and maybe maybe seventeen. I'm not sure. And we were playing cards, my we being my boys and and I, our boys and I, and we were playing cards when he got home from work. It was a Friday evening. And a lot of times when he got home from work, he wanted time to himself. Like he just, he wanted some time. He called it to decompress. And, and so a lot of times that's what he wanted. And so that's fine. But we were right there in the kitchen when he came in from the garage. And so we stopped our game and we all stopped and we greeted him. And, and then we went back to our game and we were playing a card game. And he came over and he watched a little bit. And then he asked me, well, how long is this going to take? And so I told him, you know, about how many hands we had left or how much I thought was left. But I but I did say, I don't know how long that's going to take. But if you want to do something, you know, we can finish this game later. We don't have to finish it now. Just let me know. Well, from that conversation right there, that's all the longer it was. He stormed out the back door, stomped around in the backyard, got a chair put it down on the ground, sat in a chair outside in the backyard, pouting. He later told me that he sat out there crying. I did not know at the time that he was crying, but he was crying because of how much I had hurt him, is what I later found out. And and so the boys and I just continued with our game, but the window was right there. Like, we, we could see what he was doing. And then he returned inside when, when we didn't, I guess, go give him the attention he was seeking he came back in the house and he got his keys. He put on his shoes and I looked at him and said, oh, where are you headed? He said, I don't know. And he stormed out the door, slammed the door, stormed out, got in his car and he left. He drove around for nearly an hour because of how hurt and mad he was. And and later, of course, you know, we talk about it later because that's what we do, trying to make amends and trying to reconcile. And so I I tried to talk to him later about it, and he told me how, how much that had hurt him. And I thought, how? How in the world has this hurt you? And I even said to him, I said, hey, I answered you like I would my own best friend. Well, this made it worse because then he goes, well, I thought I was your best friend. I just I shook my head, put my hand, my head down in my hands and said, what are are we middle schoolers now? You know, are we having are we really having this argument and this discussion about whether you're my best friend or not? And and so we just we did not get anywhere. But he told me that I had hurt his feelings so much because I didn't answer his question. And and I said, I did answer your question. I told you I didn't know how long it was going to take. Well, I wanted to answer in minutes. You should have answered me in minutes. And, and so around and around we went and I, I just left it alone. I learned over all the years, you got to just leave it alone. Who thinks this way? Who talks this way? You know, I, I, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what I, I was doing wrong. Most of the time, I didn't know what I had done wrong or, or how I had managed to say things the wrong way. It's a no-win situation. You know, sometimes he wanted us to leave him alone, but sometimes he wanted all of our attention when he got home. But we never knew. We never knew that day what it was going to be. And so we were constantly guessing. There, There's just so many examples. And I know you guys out there are living this too. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear these crazy making situations. You know, I never knew whether it was okay to leave the bathroom door open or whether I should leave the bathroom door closed. You know, I go in to use the bathroom and I close the door. Well, then he's mad at me because he thinks I'm trying to hide from him and, and that, our, that I'm trying to shut him out. And it, 
it hurt me when you closed the bathroom door and 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 I asked him one time not to buy um a particular kind of meat, a sandwich meat that he didn't eat it. it he had bought it for our boys for their lunches, but they didn't like it. And so I asked him, "Hey, don't don't pick up that sandwich meat anymore." Well, that hurt him. That hurt. How dare you tell me that I didn't get the right kind of sandwich meat? And on and on and on the stories go. It's like a thousand bee stings, and and they're gonna seem small. The the tiny little pieces, the tiny little parts seem small, but they add up. And so in the in the next episode, I'm going to discuss why we sound so crazy when we try to explain what's going on in our marriage. You know, when we're with a narcissistic partner and we're trying to explain it to someone, we sound nuts. And in the next episode, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. So I hope you can join me there. And, uh, you know, hang in there. We've, we've got this. We're going to pull together. We're going we're gonna to find the help we need and get the support we need. And together, we are definitely stronger. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.